0: and only Sports Anime Fan Podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hey! Alright, so it is uh, week four of the fall anime season. We're going to be covering all the new sports anime that premiered between October 23rd and October 29th. It has... I don't know. It's been an interesting week overall. I just just to say up front, one of the things you notice is that a lot of anime productions put a lot of their resources into the first three episodes, and then you sort of see a, a little break as they set up the next arc on episode four. So you've seen, I, I think there's been some uh, mix in quality, and so it'll be interesting to see what stayed consistent from last week and what sort of saw a drop off but anyway before that I think Matt you're gonna identify a couple adjustments we're making to uh experiment with the format this week yeah
1: basically we we were kind of listening back to it and we kind of decided we were going to try changing up the format just a little bit before we were kind of putting all of our favorite stuff towards the end just because we wanted to end on a positive note and we kind of decided you know what people probably don't care that much you know, people aren't listening to this to listen to us talk about Days and Tiger Mask. Right. So we've decided we're going to, we're still early on trying this out and everything. So we decided we were going to try and put every, all the stuff that's really popular or the stuff that we really like up front. That also kind of gives us a little bit more room to talk because we don't like going over an hour and a half. So putting the stuff we actually really like up front means that we get have more time to discuss it. Because that was one of the things that we ran into last week was that we really wanted to talk a lot more about Yuri on Ice and Haikyuu, but we just didn't have... We, we really had to wrap it up quickly.
0: Yeah, that happens when you spend 20 minutes discussing the minutia of Tiger Mask W. <laughs>
1: like,
0: And I'm blaming myself for that, because we, we just got caught up in the things we didn't like or the things that surprised us about Tiger Mask W in Days, when... And I think they were getting a disproportionate amount of attention. Yeah,
1: especially when they're some of the least popular or least interesting things out there. Well, Days is interesting. It's a bad interesting, but it's interesting. Right. right, But uh, also, uh, we're also doing a slightly different format this time as well. So this week, we're going to try having Matt do all the introductions for the series rather than splitting it between the two of us. Because we kind of decided that our strengths were better suited, basically... Matt's better, I think, at the introductions and the sum- and the plot summaries and get- getting all the story beats, whereas I personally really like looking at all, of, like, the camera techniques and stuff like that. So rather than having us solely devote our attention to one series, uh, we split it up. So now Matt will be handling all of the—will be leading all of the discussions this week.
0: Right, so no promises that that will stay the same for right. next week. We're just going to see how this goes. The other facet of this is I'm going to try to keep my summaries much shorter than we have in the past because I think one thing, one trap we fell into was spending too much time summarizing an episode and mixing in our editorial remarks with just the plot summary. So we're going to, I'm going to focus just on getting the plot out of the way quickly and then we can go back and editorialize. Um, the other note is, of course, since I'm not watching K-Joe, Matt will be summarizing uh, k Yes, that me. is correct. So, I think that pretty much covers announcements, um, but all that being said, I, I'd like to just dive right into Yuri on Ice. Awesome, let's do it! Alright, so, for like I said, it's sort of a break. We had the first arc where we set up the main characters and Yuri sort of established himself with this coaching partnership with Victor, um... And so Victor is going to stay in Japan and help Yuri develop his new program, And uh, but in order to develop a new program, Yuri needs to select new music, he needs to create new choreography, and uh, Victor wants to help him with that, but he insists that Yuri pick his own music. Meanwhile, Yurio um, is back in Russia, and he needs to start a new uh, training program in order to get ready for the new season. So his old coach yakov uh has yurio study ballet um they sort of split off and the whole episode is parallel back and forth yurio is learning ballet yuri is trying to figure out what music he'll use for his new routine he ends up uh contacting a girl he knew in detroit uh, and using some classical music that she made for him specifically and by, by the end of the episode, Yuri finds out that he's been assigned to a couple tournaments throughout the year. One in China, where he's going to compete against his old friend from Detroit, uh, from Taiwan, named Pitch And one in Russia, where he's going to compete against Yurio directly, as well as a couple competitions in Japan. So this sort of setups, set, sets up uh, the arc <laughs> and the different competitions he'll be going through for the rest of the series. Um, The episode ends with uh, Yuri acknowledging that this may be his last season. Yurio similarly acknowledges that he's going to be limited because he's he's going through puberty and his body's changing and he needs to capitalize on his skill while he has it. Um, And then it, it ends with Yuri deciding on the name for this song that his friend from America made and he names the song... You guessed it. Yuri on Ice. Exactly. Yuri on Ice. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) No problem. So, yeah. So, what what did you think of Episode 4? Uh,
1: this was a... This is a really interesting episode. It, as you mentioned, as we kind of uh, touched upon already, this was a setup episode where we are starting to see everything fall into place now. We're starting to see where the plot is going beyond just trying to impress Victor. Um... And there's a lot of really interesting things about that. Like, I like, for example, seeing how, at the end of the episode, how he has to go up against the very guy. Basically, his own contrast as he is to Victor. Uh, how Victor is sort of this old guard that's like this legend of ice skating. And he's just he's just sort of beginning his new... He's oh, uh, yeah. kind of his final chapter. Yeah. He's going up against a skater who's basically this hotshot up-and-coming skater who's already shown himself to possibly... who's kind of embarrassed him on a
0: world stage. So you're referring to the other Japanese skater that he's going to have to compete against first.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: So because Yuri ended the last season poorly, he still has to do some qualifiers in Japan. I I didn't totally understand the details of the tournament mechanic they sort of flew through it pretty quick but the takeaway is that the first tournament arc is going to be in Japan itself just with Japanese skaters right and so yeah he's competing against this younger skater who's presumably trying to take Yuri's spot as the top top ranked Japanese skater
1: right and so i kind of like that that sort of dichotomy there uh It'll be interesting to see where that goes. I am i won't lie, though. I'm a little bit more interested to see how he interacts with his friend from Detroit. Pitch it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and not only that, I'm also really interesting interested to see where this goes with his sister. It was kind of interesting to see that even though Yuri is very inexperienced romantically, there, there have been all these hints that he has, at the very least, had something of a romantic life. Like... There was some sort of implication there that his that uh, Pitchett's sister may have had like a thing.
0: For you her? mean in Detroit?
1: Yeah, in Detroit.
0: I, so maybe I missed it. I didn't. I don't think that was Pitchett's sister.
1: I thought they had mentioned that it was his sister. I'm nearly positive they had mentioned that it was his sister. But I mean, it's not really that
0: important. Yeah. Well. The, um. Y- yeah. You. There was. I might be conflating characters, because this was separate from the girl who composed his music.
1: Was it? I guess... I thought that was the whole... I thought that was the whole thing that they were getting at. Okay, we are clearly
0: uh, not understanding this properly. Whoever that girl was, I guess it was the same character. I didn't... I must have missed the line where they said it was Pitcher's sister.
1: It wasn't really, like, a big detail, so I don't really blame you. I had to... I kind of paused the episode, if I recall, because I wanted to make a couple notes there, so... I'm pretty sure that they said that she was his sister. Um, but I thought that was interesting because the uh, Yuri goes into this whole conversation where he has to kind of admit, look, I didn't really want to pursue this thing with her. Like, I, I felt very embarrassed by the fact yeah. that... she was
0: very into him. I was
1: basically... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and I didn't know... Like, there was this whole conversation that they had... Where, I forget, somebody was in the hospital, and she wanted to, she was looking to comfort him, and he sort of pulls away because he doesn't know what to do with that. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, because he feels embarrassed by the fact that he needs to, he needs comforting, and he doesn't want to show that to somebody. Right. And, it, and it goes into this whole, this this running theme of the series about gender roles, About the fact, like, just last episode, he had to sort of embrace the fact that he has a bit more of a feminine personality. And this is him kind of coming to grips with the fact, like, yeah, in the past, I used to have, like, this really,
0: like, strange view. Well, I think it was, on some level, when you talk about him reacting and not wanting to appear weak in front of a girl, it was sort of like him trying to push, like, to butch it up. Like, trying to seem tougher than he really was right um because he was under the impression that that's what he was supposed to be so yeah it's totally about gender roles um right it's interesting too to see the way the those two characters they sort of had a falling out because he didn't have the confidence to use the music that she made for him even though he even though he wanted to he was discouraged by his coaches. And so he just gave up, he didn't have the confidence, he he didn't end up using the music, and he told her that, and they sort of had a falling out just because, as he said, well, it was just awkward after that. And so, I think there's a lot of question there. You know, the last episode very strongly communicated that Yuri has some, I guess, unprocessed... uh, homosexual attraction towards right Right. victor specifically but also just in general and well because it's interesting because uh, like going
1: along those lines because victor is the only person he's actually able to open up to about yeah exactly um and so and there's a lot of gender reversal in this series i've noticed because i i don't know uh there is a lot... there were, in this episode I noticed a lot of very sexually empowered women. Mm. Um, for example, we have we have that one girl whose name I did not catch. Uh, but she was but she was there watching Yurio. She was yeah, there that's she Mila. was apparently like friends with Yuri. Mila. What was her name? Oh Mila. Oh, I did get that written down. My bad. Uh she was like dating a hockey player and you know, she yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. she doesn't she's, she's not having sex right now and they uh so she's kind of come to see Yurio to vent out his frustrations or the ex ballerina that apparently Yurio's coach was originally married to who apparently like left yeah. him and it's like it's interesting to see because we i we were kind of talking about this last episode about the whole like female gaze and i know one of the big appeals of like boys love and yaoi to a lot of girls is that they feel like that guys are unable to open up to girls in japan like that's where a lot of the appeal comes from and so they write it with so they write the guys being attracted to guys with the intention of basically self like the girls are basically writing it to self-insert themselves into the guys yeah you just not you just
0: write one of the guys as a feminine character
1: Right, exactly. Because they actually, because it's actually more believable to a lot of girls there that guys can be more sensitive with other guys. Right. And I feel like the series is trying to address that.
0: Yeah. And we're seeing... It, it's interesting to to see, like like you said, and it was interesting you brought it up, that um, the guys are learning to be like, more comfortable with their feminine side. And the women, insofar as they're featured, are shown to be... I guess, much less traditionally, um, submissive or traditionally feminine.
1: I mean, like, for example, like, last episode, the only, uh, the only character we've even seen, like, doing, like, the traditional, like, perving out over, like, hot people was Yuki, who was basically nosebleeding over the fact that she was seeing, like, one of Victor's, like, sexiest costumes. Um so it it's interesting to see how the how the series is kind of trying to turn around and kind of accept the fact. It it feels like the series feels almost like it's trying to reclaim sports uh series for girls essentially. Yeah.
0: What did what did you I I th- I think that's all totally um accurate. W- what did you think of the scene on the beach where Yuri and Victor are talking and Victor basically asks, what do you want me to be to you? Do you want me to be like your brother, like your father? And then, uh, you know, Yuri's like, no, no. And then Victor says, well, do you want me to be your lover? Do you want me to be your boyfriend? (laughs) And Yuri's like, no, 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 no. You know, like he just gets (laughs) sort of scared. What, What did you take anything from that?
1: I kind of. I didn't think anything of it, think of anything of it before, but you bring it up, kind of makes it it feels almost like a dog whistle to yaoi fans. So I think it's I think it's supposed to be taken as a double meaning. Like, so for example, a lot of Japan a lot of like mainstream series in Japan, I've learned about this. You a lot of series do a lot better when they're not confronting issues like that. Hmm. Like if you try, because one of the biggest arguments I've seen against stuff like Yowie and boys' love is like, well, why don't you just like go full on like hardcore like gay like gay right. sex, essentially? And one of the reasons they don't do that is because they those are just not financially stable. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of girl, and so they a lot of people don't put the like put out stuff like sure, that. of
0: course, because it's just it's just and porn. So, That's a whole different thing.
1: Right? Exactly. So. I kind of see it as, like, a dog whistle in that he has to be... We have to keep up this
0: front... Oh, that it's not gay. ...that not, gay. Is not interested.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to keep... We kind of have to keep this up. Yeah,
0: it's, like, plausible deniability.
1: Right, exactly. No, 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 he's not gay. See, he's had... He has relationships. He's been attracted to other girls. And it's like, well, yeah. yeah. Kinda, but you frame
0: it but. in a way where if you want... Like, if you're watching the show and for, you know, whatever... You, If you need to believe that Yuri is straight or just non-sexual, you can. There's an, They put enough in right. there that you can, but if you're looking for it to be what the author probably intends it to be, then there's a lot there just a fraction of an inch right. below the surface.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that's really... I think that's an interesting... I think Yuri has been a very interesting case because a lot of series... Like all out, which we'll get into later, like they make it very, they make it feel very cheap and just sort of tacked into the series in order to like, like jack up merch sales. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Yuri and Ice is kind of it's it feels like it's embraced yeah. it, and it's it's actually kind of doing an interesting gender study as a result of it. it. It reminds me a little bit as a more much more flamboyant version of Battery from last season almost in that regard.
0: Oh yeah, I mean. Battery was subtle, uh, well, I mean, until about episode 10, it was very subtle, but it kept things very symbolic, and sort of talking around a lot of issues, and this this is not interested in talking around anything.
1: No, it is being very upfront about it, but also kind of giving winks to the audience, like, oh no, we can't have these characters, like, be with one another, but they're they're clearly getting to it. So I'm kind of I'm I'm almost intrigued just to see how it goes just on the basis that it it's almost like a will they won't they thing for me.
0: Yeah. I mean it at, at the end of the day I'm not as concerned with whether, you know, the two main characters end up in a relationship quote unquote cuz I of think po- there's going to be a lot you're going we're going to learn a lot more about Victor and he's going to become much less of the a sort of magical super character than he is now. Um, So I I doubt that they'll end up in a stable relationship. I just hope they don't completely betray their fans who are looking for some positive gay representation. I mean,
1: something else that's really interesting along those lines,
0: and and the fact that this is
1: filmed with kind of this female gaze, um, Victor, you can see his nipples, which is actually, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, you don't see nipples like male nipples in anime.
0: I didn't know like, that actually.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I noticed it immediately. <laughs> um, because e- even with like bare chested dudes, when they do that, they don't draw the nipple. Well, I know, noticed that yeah, I
0: guess when his shirt was off. Yeah, you're right.
1: Or it's like there's a very in uh, the second episode there's a very obvious moment where he's like leaning into Yuri and his uh kimono comes a little undone mm-hmm. and there's just a tiny drop of nipple there mm-hmm. that you see and it's and again that's done in a way it's like. That's kind of the traditional like sexy Japanese geisha stereotype that's being right. kind of turned around on its head. Wow,
0: that's cool. Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought I thought episode four was interesting, but mostly just functioned as setup. Um, it's nice right. to know where we're going, and so now we don't have to keep coming back to re-identify what's next. We know what's next. It's Japan, and then China. And then Russia's going to end the season. And so it's going to be right. relatively simple, straightforward uh, from here on out. Hopefully, you know, the, the animation took a little bit of a dip. There wasn't as much focus on actual skating. Um, and that's okay. It's okay with me as long as next week can sort of bring it back up to speed. But I, th- I thought it set it up well. I thought what was there in terms of the thematic content was solid, Um, and it didn't take a step back from anything last week, which is good. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you want to move on to Haikyuu? Oh, heck yeah. All right, so uh, the summary for this one is actually relatively brief. Uh, It's a lot of details, but functionally it's just the end of the second set. So the Kurasano and Shira Torizawa have gotten near the end of the second set it's about 23 22 at the start of the episode and they fight it they they keep adding new strategies on both sides throughout the episode uh trying to outsmart each other but no one can get a decisive advantage they end up tying at 24 points apiece and which in volleyball is uh where you get a deuce right uh, yeah so that's the equivalent for tennis and so in order to uh break you have the team has to score two points in a row and they find themselves completely unable to do this so every time so one team scores a point the other team will score one right back and they do this all the way up past 25 26 27 and they keep going um shira Torizawa brings in pinch server but even that can't make the difference uh, and then Suki really becomes the central character in this episode, where he learns to strategize his blocks and time the group blocks along the front uh, to an advantage, where they then have the advantage against Shiratori's always spikes for once. Ultimately, uh, the set breaks, where Karasuno uh, wins the set 31 to 29, um, basically because uh, Suki on Karasuno is able to annoy and stress out Shira Torizawa's spikers so much that eventually they make a mistake. Um, and then Hinata and Nishinoya are able to punish them for those mistakes. Um, right. So that, that was pretty much it. That's that's the whole episode is Karasuno wins the second set by have, being able to endure that stress. Uh, but I think you probably have some opinions about the details of how that was executed that are really what makes it interesting. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm just gonna say this right now. Uh, this is... It has been a very strong season for Haikyuu, but this so far has been my favorite episode. There is so much energy in this episode with just the way it's shot, and then just the immensely satisfying moment of emotion for Suki that we see at the very end of the episode where he he gets that block off of, uh, uh, Ushiwaka, that is just, uh, I'm just gonna just jump right into how they did okay. that, because that was a, I, I, I don't mean to gush too much here, but that was such a masterful moment. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, with how they did, with how they performed right, that. so
0: set it up for me.
1: So, basically, before this begins, we have the shot, we have a shot, an extreme close-up shot of Suki... Just a, slowly zooming in towards his face. And the look on his face can only be described as, like, starving. Like, he looks like he's, like he's at, like, the brink of madness. Which is interesting for Suki, because he has always been such a restrained, like, doesn't care character. Oh, yeah, it's
0: super passive. It's, like, in, in, in all... Pa- in in, un, basically until this point in the series, he's always sort of complained about people being too enthusiastic. He's always been saying, this is just a club sport. Who cares? Why are you getting so riled up? That sort of thing. Right. Not trying to really devote his whole emotional well-being to it, like the other characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: He's always just treated as a club. And, you know, this is the moment where we see from Suki that this is becoming more than just a club to him. Um, Because right after that block how they shoot his outburst, that growing, it's like just that moment of silence, and then we get that shot of the camera behind him, and as he's screaming, just at like the top of his lungs, we see the camera even starting to shake along with the scream. Like, like almost as if though the camera can't even contain this energy coming from him. And you just see this very deliberate motion from his arms, uh, just shaking, like quivering. Yeah. Um, just that combined with the camera motion, like with the shaking cam as he's just screaming is just, it's like, I I had to rewatch that moment a couple of times because I was shaking watching this.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. It was a really satisfying end. I kind of, I think I might've said it earlier, but I assumed that Karasuno was going to lose the first two so that they had to make a dramatic comeback. But this is actually way more interesting where it's really neck and neck. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because the author, the original author, had the foresight to not drag this out so much. Because okay, so I adore Ice Shield Twenty One. It is one of my all-time fa- favorite sports yes. manga. That is a bad habit that the series gets into, though, where they are losing the entire game, and then in the like at a certain point they decide to just start turning it around. Yeah. Haikyuu is smart about keeping the tension up by making it so that you do not know what's going to happen next. And part of being able to do that is being know when to let your characters win in addition to when they lose. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it, they don't just win at
1: the end. Right, exactly. Like, because, yeah, I had the, as soon as they said, there's a line in the episode where it's, where the characters blatantly say, it's like, they cannot lose this set. Yeah. I thought for certain at that point, it's like, well, they just lost yeah, the exactly, set. Yeah, exactly, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this set is basically to show that they've learned how to keep up with Shiratori Zawa, but not actually like stay there. Like, like you know, they haven't gotten there quite yet, and then this they're just gonna have to win over the course of the next three sets. And I'm guessing that's still what's gonna gonna what happen, but you know, it's like I can't say for certain because they were smart enough to actually let them win this set. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it definitely um, throws off sort of some of your expectations. I think one of the things I like, if just talking about the episode on the whole, uh, and we've alluded to it, is that you finally get to see that Shira Torizawa isn't invincible. Because every perception up till now is that even, you know, you have to work around uh, Ushijima slash Ushiwaka. Like, you you need to work around their ace, because he's undefeatable. Um, And finally, you saw at the end of the episode, no, actually... You can figure him out. Even he can be defeated and contained. Um, There's nothing about the other team that is unbeatable. And it's so much more fun. Sometimes sports anime have this habit of creating these Goliath teams or these Goliath individuals that are just too unimaginably good. And and they have to come up with some magical way of, of defeating them. But to me, it's actually more fun when the other team is just a good team. Like, they're a good team, just like the main team is a good team. And so they really have to figure each other out and be strategic. And so they have strengths and weaknesses. um, But you don't have any of the sort of... The magic, all-powerful team that, to me, gets boring.
1: Right, exactly. And... I really appreciate uh, kind of going back to the to the, Su- to the uh, Suki outburst here. I really appreciate how they how they kind of almost put off this moment of character development for Suki just for this single. Yeah, game. they put it off for two seasons. Yeah, exactly. It's like we were starting to see the uh, we were starting to see a little bit of that in season two, but I really appreciate how we've how the series has connected just the downfall of this team to Suki's like. Development as like a player and as a character to finally appreciate like this is what it means to take down one of the greatest yeah. and i am loving this
0: yeah no it's haiku is the, the the season feels like a victory lap for this show um <laughs> because it does everything you love about the way haiku was done in the past it does very well still it has amazing right. animation all the characters are where you want them to be. It, it really feels like this is as good as Haikyuu has ever been, and this epi- episode oh, specifically, yeah. like the the animation was unbelievable. I mean I love the way that they animate how the the characters on Karasuno are stretching themselves to their absolute limits in order to reach these balls and keep them in play right it shows them crashing through barriers and stretching and falling on the ground and just the way it's done it feels extremely uh vivid and you know the the it's it's like we sort of talk about animation works when you can feel the hits and you can feel all the hits in this show
1: oh yeah and one thing i just like to point out as well um regarding that i something i really appreciate is that so the ball in this is actually CG, but you don't really notice that watching it. I only notice it because I'm actually keeping an eye out for it. But it I really kinda it's it's amazing how well they deal with how the ball moves. Yes. as opposed to something like I, I'm it's sorry all to out, keep on the series. Yeah, it's all out, I know. But it's just the way that the ball moves, because they, they're smart enough to keep it just constantly in motion, constantly spinning around, and give it a very simple design. Just, you know, it's just blue and yellow uh, kind of moving together. Like, and they're able to get away with still keep, uh, leaving the ball with all this, like, impact and momentum. Yeah. I just um, just one okay, other thing I wanted to ahead. point out. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh,
0: I was just going to say my one complaint. Oh, is... go for it. The w- one thing that frustrated me in season two was that it leaned a little too heavily on the symbolism, like throwing the symbolism in your face. Oh. And th- they sort of do that again where they try to explain Karasuno's strategy as mobbing. Uh, You know, like oh. when <laughs> a murder of crows attack a bird of prey. You know, like, <laughs> exactly the scene that happens in the opening animation theme, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a little on the nose. Um, it Well, at the very least, this season, we don't have to deal with the battle at the garbage dump. We don't dump. have to battle... With, yeah, no battle at the garbage dump, and no <laughs> extended sequence, def, like, showing a clock and all the gears coming together and clicking. So I'm like, oh, we I get it. They're all pieces of the same team, we know. So... honestly it's not that bad it has issued most of the frustrating symbolism from season two but just to see it rear its ugly head again i was like no no not again
1: (sighs) yeah no i I get that uh it's still like it's a minor it
0: is an absolutely minor complaint but that's the thing every complaint about haikyuu is minor because it's a freaking amazing show (laughs) <laughs> um, and you know, I'm really glad to see that it's taken off so well too. Yeah. Like, it's the most popular if, show. This is in also Canada. like
1: one of the most popular. It's the most what popular
0: show in Canada. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, anime, and anyway. strangely
1: not Yuri on Ice. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, you um, are gonna move on to March comes in like a lion. Let's do it. Okay, so episode four, like every episode before it, is split between. Two major, well, major, between two arcs. Uh, in the first story, uh, the gang are all together at Akari's house, and they are peeling chestnuts and d- discussing the fact that Hina wants to make lunch for a boy on the baseball team she has a crush on. Um, they argue about whether they should, the family should be spending money on food for some boy. Um... And they reveal in this conversation that Akari, the eldest sister, takes in animals off the street and then plumps them up. And Hina wonders whether that's why she took in Ray too, which, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, the next day Hina tries to prepare this lunch and it's all very chaotic and silly. She eventually does get to the baseball field. Ray sees her watching the game. It's, he realizes that she's in love with this boy. Then he has a very strange uh, short flashback to a time where it appears he was sexually assaulted by an older woman. And then we're back right. uh, to silliness. And <laughs> uh, Hina is sad because she can't give the boy the bento box and she cries. And then they take it home and eat it together. But the bento's actually gross. Um, so that, that's part <laughs> one. And then the the second story... Uh, Nikaido comes over to practice with Rey. Uh Ray doesn't want to because he likes to practice alone, classic Rey. Uh But Nikaido does it anyway, and they're very silly together, and then they go get lunch. And they, of course, run into the only other people in this town, and they see Mom- <laughs> Momo and Akari. Momo thinks that Nikaido is Totoro because he's overweight. Uh, no, he, no, she doesn't.
1: She thinks he's, uh, I think, uh, Bororo. Yeah, okay.
0: Uh, it's Totoro, yes. and then Akari immediately has a crush on Nakaido, also because he's overweight. Uh, they take Nakaido home and make uh, Akari makes Nakaido a bland meal that in, in quotes that's what she says uh, because he has a very sensitive stomach. And then his butler picks him up from their house due to the power of illegal surveillance, <laughs> and that's the episode. That's, that's yeah. the actual plot of the episode.
1: I mean, you didn't really miss anything there. You're not wrong.
0: Yeah, It just... All I want to say up front, and I'll just turn it over to you, is that this feels so fundamentally different than the first episode. The first episode felt like it was going to, like in all caps, ask hard questions about mental health. And this... I don't even I don't even know what this is anymore. I'm going to I am going to have to think about it. What did you think?
1: Uh I still liked
0: the episode. I do agree
1: that it was a bit of a downturn from the last couple episodes. Um just on the basis that there wasn't really much interesting hap- it like anything all that interesting happening with like the camera work or any of the animation. Right. Um I still kind of enjoyed it. Like, I, I kind of liked how these two parts were connected together, because ultimately the plot of the episode, or the, the general theme of this episode was uh, uh, unrequited love that will never be fulfilled. Because, so with... It, the whole plot with Hina, I think, is meant to be a contrast to Rey and his thing with Akari. Because, I don't know if you remember this, in episode 2... There was a lot of heavily heavy implication that Ray deeply felt something for Akari beyond just being like a mother figure. Right. Because he was always thinking things like you know, she still is like she's beautiful no matter what setting she's in. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. just this kind, gentle soul yeah. and not something you'd say about your off-hand... sister. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and and I think the implication here, and I kinda thought that this was a kind of a kind of a subtle way of basically breaking him down, which was the fact that freaking Nikaido of all people, is the one that Akari wants <laughs> yeah, to be with.
0: That is true.
1: <laughs> like, this, this insanely annoying guy who, like, is... No other person would, by any means, find attractive. And now, before anybody starts t- saying I'm fat-shaming, I am currently sitting at 260 pounds. Yeah. So, just saying.
0: Yeah, no... Coming down from three hundred. Yeah. Which just, side just wanna... note? Congratulations. Way to keep training. No problem. Thank you. But yeah,
1: it was. Well, it's. You know, it's like I see what the, I see what they were doing with this
0: episode. I guess is what. I'm so thinking. I don't um, because <laughs> I, it basically felt like I, I was trying to keep track of the plot. It felt like I could have summarized large segments of it with the comment silliness ensues um it just (laughs) felt like oh boy these characters sure are wacky um and it didn't seem like there was much meat honestly the and and ray felt okay so maybe i came at this show from the wrong direction but it felt like it was going to be about addressing ray specifically addressing his background his issues his mental health whatever um And there was very little to do with Ray, even if he was in every scene. Um, The one exception, like I said, is he has this brief flashback where he remembers, it it looks like he got sexually assaulted by an older woman. Um, Right. And he thinks about that because he thinks about the idea of love. And that is, I guess, what he associates with love. He doesn't have any positive association with Roma- romantic right. expe- he doesn't have any romantic experience v- being a victim of sexual assault is the limit of his romantic experience which you know is a pretty harsh thought which deserves to be explored at some length other than being immediately washed away by like oh boy he, need, he Hina's bento box sure tastes yucky um, um so I- I'm gonna defend that just real okay. quick okay um, first of all,
1: so I do feel like that's not because I don't feel like that that's something that we're just going to like jump right into because that's a very serious like subject matter. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I and I understand I understand where you're getting at. I understand where you're getting at. Um about the fact that they kind of just gloss over it and immediately go into haha, <laughs> girl can't cook. How funny. Yeah. Um but I think what it's establishing there is that this is, for a lot... It, it's not something that he has to deal... Like, he's actively thinking about constantly. Right. This is an aspect of his life that he is sort of almost come to terms with. Or, or in at his least own he's way.
0: just trying to keep it below the surface.
1: Right, exactly. Like, he's going to think... You know, it, it comes to... it Whenever he com- is confronted with situations when he has to, like, observe people in love or when he's reminded, his mind just immediately goes back to that. So it feels like it's more just... That sequence felt more like an instinctual reaction, rather than just, okay, so let me think back to the time when I got sexually assaulted by who I'm assuming is his mother of some kind.
0: Like a mother figure yeah, of his. I, yeah, I, I have no idea. Because they've done so little to explain his background, It's, it's you right. can only guess.
1: Now, I will also say... Did uh I hate to kind of I'm gonna kind of answer your question as well with a question okay. as well. Did you ever see Honey and Clover? I
0: did a long time ago.
1: <laughs> okay, because this is actually because this series is written the the original manga was written by the right, same. Right, I remember model. that. Yeah. Okay, and so I the, the Honey and Clover had a very similar method of writing where they kept implying things about the past before they kept finally, like, went into the meat of it. And so I'm not saying that, whether or not that works for you is not the, uh, is not really what I'm trying to get at here. Um, yeah. I guess what I'm just trying to say is that this is kind of standard for his writing style, and that, I guess what I'm just trying to say is, if you want to know more about
0: that, I'm pretty sure we're going to get oh, to that. Oh, I'm not it's, doubting that it'll come up eventually. What bothered me was that that, short sequence, to me felt like the only actual meat in the episode. It felt like there was just right. very little development overall.
1: Right. And I guess that's fair, because there's not really a lot that happened here. Yeah. I guess we also kind of see that Hina is kind of a normal junior high girl. She's She has a crush on, like, the big popular sports player.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I would have at least liked to see some more Shogi, because... Lord knows I still don't understand crap about that. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I'm kind of at the point where
0: I'm guessing they're just not ever going to explain it, and it's just something
1: that we are assumed to know. I understand,
0: and we, we've we discussed that before, but I just want to see it. Like, I think the animations for the, and the Shogi battle of wit stuff is fun to watch, and I would have liked to see more of it, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Um, Do you want to uh, discuss another <laughs> hot, hot-blooded... Uh, sports anime. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> scorching Ping Pong The hottest Girls. because it's it scorching. It is scorching hot. Uh, scorching Ping Pong Girls, episode four. So, start out episode four and you see that Agari and Koyori over the last several days have been playing, basically having rematches and switching back and forth of who is the number one player on the team and recently agari has retaken the throne as the number one player and she's the ace um agari is embarrassed by the fact that she's improved so much just because she's playing koyori and she doesn't want to admit it and doesn't want koyori to know and she blushes a lot um this is followed by an (laughs) extended period of boring classroom antics and yuri bait uh, where they're sort of, like, implying that Koyori is attracted to Agari, and Agari is, like, embarrassed by being so attentive to Koyori, blah de blah And they also discuss that the captain of the ping-pong team is coming back. Um, they go to the practice room, and indeed, the captain of the ping-pong team is back uh, from somewhere. And so her name eventually is revealed as Kirika, she is uh, has like long black hair. She is uh, shown playing against two ping pong robots by herself, and decides that she wants to have a tournament where all 20 players on the team have to play her, and uh, so she will win. Kirika will win the match if she can get five points, uh, but her opponent will win the match if they can get a single point. So she starts playing, she beats 18 players in a row with her special technique of the chop, where she induces backspin and forces errors on her opponents. Um, Then there's an extended sequence where Kirika talks about how Mooney Mooney's breasts are fun to lie on because they are a soft rack pillow. And then, uh, so by by the end, um, Agari and Koyori are the only opponents left and Agari promises to defeat her and show her that she's uh, great and going to bring the team to Nationals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So I'm just going to jump right in here and say I was not thrilled
0: with this episode. Oh, no. Worst episode by (laughs) far of this show.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. This episode was... It was kind of confirming a lot of fears that I had when we first saw the, like, the the art for it. Um, there were still some interesting little meaty bits, like, I appreciate that they're starting to delve into the fact that Agari doesn't have much, or not Agari, Koyori, I don't know why I keep confusing (laughs) those two. (laughs) Um... I appreciate the fact that they're delving a little bit more into the fact that Koyori doesn't have much fighting spirit. Right. Um. Just a, on the basis that you know she and Agari are keep keep playing games, and now uh, Agari seems to have the edge up on her, and Koyori doesn't seem to really care that yeah, much. Yeah, she
0: just likes playing ping pong. She doesn't really care if she wins.
1: Right. And I think and I think the series is gonna start delving into that a little bit more because Agari seems to have found her own fighting spirit.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. And and so what I liked about it was that I assumed, I think you assumed too that once Agari was defeated last episode, she was going to stay the number 2. Koyori was always going to be the ace, she was going to be the best. I liked right. the fact that they immediately did away with that. So now Agari's the best again, but she doesn't need to be the best. And she's not, like, super distraught and overwhelmed when she loses. So I thought that was a good way of dealing with it. She's like, she still wants to be number one, but it's for different right. reasons. Right. I like the... Yeah, I like the fact that there is actually, like, fluidity within
1: this team. Yeah. Um. So that it's not just completely set in stone, like, okay, so we have our best, second, third, fourth, which is kind of something i did have a bit of a problem with before like i didn't really like the fact that uh, koyori was just playing the ranked members on the team and they were immediately like oh well you're fourth best now exactly. like work your way up to number three and it's like it's it just is this like a dojo yeah uh,
0: yeah yeah it felt like a pokemon gym we're like well i'm defeated now so go ahead
1: right yeah exactly and I, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I do like the fact, and I do like the fact that how they're using that to kind of build up this whole conflict with Koyori, because she, because that's something that the captain brought up, is it wasn't even so much that she was disappointed that they couldn't compete with her, because the whole thing with that captain is that she keeps, she's basically winning all of these games without any contest. Yeah. And she's she's not necessarily disappointed by the fact that she's overtaking them so easily, but it's the fact that none of them are even providing an in- interesting challenge. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting uh, counterpoint to Koyori, who's kind of looking for the same thing, but the problem is that Koyori just doesn't have that like desire and drive to win. Like apparently, like both Agari and the new and the captain. Yeah,
0: at its best, Kirika serves as a counterpoint to agari and koyori and they they make this pretty explicit when they uh, agari is describing kirika's style and she says she's my opposite okay well that's right on the nose (laughs) um but in the way that uh, agari relies on using loop drives to induce topspin um kirika uses the chop to induce backspin um and force error. so what Agari does is she induces top spin to get a weak return and then she smashes for victory. Um Kirika just uses backspin in order to force errors so that her opponents won't even be able to get the ball over the net. So it is fundamentally an opposite, which I thought was a fun style choice in order to, you know, to contrast these uh to contrast Kirika against right. Agari and Koyori so directly. Um, but that's sort of where the fun stuff ends, and I I think I want to address some of the things that were more problematic about Kirika and the episode in general. You can start out.
1: Okay, yeah. So, we're really starting to see the issue with Munamune as a character, or rather her design. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, (laughs) Well, you kind of already touched upon this in the summary with the whole, like, using her breasts as a pillow. And just the constant, like rubbing up against her and the sort of like really awkward just it's not needed okay this serves no purpose for any of the characters yeah, it doesn't move
0: anything along there are a bunch of shots with mune mune where she's just standing still holding a ping pong paddle but in doing so she's like squeezing her breasts together and you're like yeah that's exactly what the camera is centered on he you're just like, come on, this is so not the point, of it, or I hope it's not the point of this show.
1: Right. It, it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because there was one particular camera shot that got me, and it was based on the context in which we got it. And it was basically uh, Mune Mune and Tenka were discussing uh, Koyori's losing streak that she's been having lately. And first we get kind of a medium shot of both the characters in frame, and, you know, they're just sort of talking normally. And then what happens is it cuts to a, cl- a close-up of Mune Mune's chest, or I think it's over on Tenka's side, and then it shifts over to Mune Mune's just chest area, and it kind of sticks there for a moment, and then you kind of see her move her hands together, so she's kind of squeezing it, you know, kind of squeezing her chest together, and then the camera moves back up to look at Mune right. Mune. And it's really distracting to me, because, you know, this is supposed to be just a discussion of Koyori's character. Yeah right now i I, did you think we were bored? (laughs) i know
0: i know it 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 (laughs) sometimes it feels like there's two camps on the production of this show and like half the people who are making it are trying to uh drive the plot towards elite ping pong strategy and the other half are trying to uh drive it towards ogling cute character designs and they, the two sides yeah. do not get along and it's all back and forth.
1: <laughs> I mean, otherwise, I, one thing I did notice, I'm going to go back to a positive here. I, something about her chop that I really like Kierika's. about, uh, yeah, Kirika's chop is uh, something I've noticed is I like how all the different shots that the ball has a different animation for. Yeah. It, so that you can kind of see how distinct they are. Um, so like one of the things for uh, the chop is that they're like the way they kind of achieved the animation for the chop is that they have a bunch of like black lines just uh, going down vertically around it and then they kind of deform the ball along with those lines and they spin the lines around it around the ball and this is a very distinct motion from what we get from uh, uh, Aguri's chop to, uh, her drive yeah. rather where you see kind of, where you see how it's uh we don't get any sort of ball defor- uh, deforming, and it's not as an intensive a shot.
0: Yeah. Um, as and it- so so the thing the thing with this for me is that all the the fun aspects that focused on ping pong were absolutely the exception in this episode. It was a lot of dumb classroom conversations, a lot of perviness, and a lot of like Kirika being silly. And her, her silliness right. involved, like centered around the fact that if you lose to her, you have to wear cat ears and say meow. So apparently yeah. this is her thing. That whenever she defeats anyone or anyone, you know, fails one of her tasks, she makes you cosplay. That's what they actually said. And then they just happened to have some memories of Agari dressing up in a bunny outfit and dressing up in a maid outfit and why don't we go ahead and make those the bumpers so that all the otaku fanboys <laughs> can save that for, you know, the for
1: I don't know, like their, their uh, screensaver? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Or their desktop image? Yeah,
0: so it was so embarrassingly on the nose, and I, I don't really want to dwell on this episode any more than I have to, because yeah. um, I... it, it was a letdown. It was a real disappointment for me, and I hope that it's the exception and that, Once we hopefully soon, we'll be getting into the uh, the inner junior high tournament, and we'll be able to focus more on the competition again.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. So, um, do you want to move on
0: to another series
1: that is uncomfortably (laughs) pervy?
0: I don't want to, but I guess we are.
1: Yeah, there we go. Okay, so I'm talking about KJ. So the basic pr- so the entire plot of this episode is based around all of the girls taking up taking on their opponents within the elite class. So Miata goes up against Rinrin, Nan goes ag- up against some girl whose name I didn't even catch because the battle was so nothing. And uh Elba goes up against the number 1 elite. And basically I don't want to delve too much into the plot summary here, uh but basically Miata wins her match uh by besting her opponent at speed with her own special technique uh you get a uh, non wins her battle because her butt is softer than the <laughs> ironclad uh fighter uh, on her end because basically her whole thing is that she has a butt of iron she has a butt of steel and she's able to knock everybody around so when non goes to defend herself she bounces this girl bounces right off of non and goes right into the water because her butt is so soft that anything that's super hard bounces off against it which i guess is their explanation for why these girls aren't more well toned okay um and then elba actually surprisingly loses her match uh due to the fact that number 1 has an ability called boob hypnosis oh no. where she basically basically the whole point of elba's fight was to essentially build up the number one class, as well as also build up the fact that Alba is more of a strategist and she's a bit she's better as a leader than she really is as a fighter because she manages to get all the other girls in this battle royale to basically to basically control the number one's movements so that she's backed into a corner, but then the number one gets out of it by basically hypnotizing the girls with her boobs. Oh no. Uh and that's pretty much where the episode ends. We haven't oh. had uh we have not had Nozomi's fight yet, and that's kind of what the next episode is building up to. So, I was going to leave up the discussion to you, and then it occurred to me, wait, you have nothing to add yeah. here, so I'm just going to keep going. I mean,
0: all I want to say is this just sounds insufferable. I did, however, on Twitter, someone posted an image of the the butt of steel, and it was pretty insane. That's, that's my okay. contribution.
1: Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, that's really all you need to know. Um, so, the way that Miata outspeeds her opponent is that she learns a new skill by the name of W Acceleration. <laughs> so, so the entire, way, the entire method of this uh, technique is that she is able to give herself a wedgie in her swimsuit. Oh, uh, no. And because the swimsuit, even though it's already pretty, like, light, there's still, it still kind of restricts your motion just a little bit around the buttocks okay. area. And so she gives herself a wedgie, and that apparently frees up her movement enough so that she can move even faster.
0: So, can and my, can and you tell me why uh, every character doesn't do that?
1: <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to bring up.
0: Okay.
1: Is, why can't every character do this, or why do they deser- design the suits like that? Yeah. If, if they're going to, it's like, if the girls are going to give themselves wedgies anyway... Is there any... It's like, okay, sure, Miata figures it out, fine, but there needs to be this, some discussion within the Keijo board <laughs> uh, about, like, changing the re- the uh, the regulation swimsuits. I, I don't know. There wasn't really a whole lot that, that was going on otherwise. The whole thing about... Most of the episode focused on Miata and Rinrin's fight and the fact that Miata... Was having trouble keeping up with Win- Rinrin because she because basically using her butt Gatling uh, requires her to take a hold on her breath because it requires immense concentration and Rinrin doesn't have that problem because she has like better lung capacity and all I can think to myself is, during this is they're
0: going to such
1: lengths to justify this sport.
0: Yeah. Does it does it feel uh, like it's
1: go- like I feel like it really wants to be a sports series, but it's all just an excuse so
0: so here's the thing i don't want to dwell on this too much but in your opinion do you you think a lot of the popularity for keijo when it came out was the novelty of the premise do you think that at this point the novelty is sort of worn off and people are realizing oh it's just a subpar anime about a weird thing
1: See, now that's the thing because I don't think so because it has a lot of hold with the etchy market right now. No. Yeah, and so a lot of so it's gotten a, gotten a lot of popularity in that just for the fact that it's a very fan servicey series and fan servicey series are kind of hot right now.
0: And yeah, I guess they're doing. I think it's just
1: gonna and, and I've kind of discussed this before. It's at least interesting in the sense that they don't just go like they they kind of earn the fan service because they have very like outside of like just the sheer insanity of everything that's going on the girls themselves are also pre- like they aren't animated in a way that's very obviously fan service if that makes any sense like i feel like they have a better sense of how girls actually look and how they move around so i think i mentioned this yeah. before like the boobs don't just jiggle independently right. so
0: i, I guess another. i guess what i'm asking though is that a lot of the attention came from people who weren't normally into etchy shows so for people who are not there for the fan service do you think it works on any level oh goodness okay no. all right fair enough no, no,
1: no. This is a bad series, and unless you are really into ecchi fan service type things,
0: ignore yeah, it. Yeah, maybe watch one episode to understand what the talk is about, yeah. but even...
1: I mean, honestly, I would, I would honestly say
0: if you watch an
1: episode of the show, it would probably be this one, because this is the one that has, like... Because the fights themselves are pretty decently animated. Like, I actually kind of appreciate the fact that they use a lot of long shots... Uh, like to watch the characters like battle it out because a lot of series have a tendency to go like really close yep. in and they cut beat and they do a lot of like really like quick cuts to kind of save on the animation. Right. But the series actually has the confidence enough in its animation to kind of keep the camera away from them and just let the battle play out. Interesting. So. So I. In this series, this episode in particular was very good about that.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, that's something. Um, yeah, it's something. It's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, if you are specifically looking for an etchy type series, you could do yeah, worse.
0: Okay, but Matt, if you're specifically looking for an etchy type series, you already know about K-Jo. Like you know, Right, exactly. You're already watching. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue that. All otherwise. right, so you want to move on to another show with an incredibly deep plot? Uh, Long oh, Riders. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> Long Riders episode three. Remember because last week um they did not air an episode Uh, so this week we have we have episode three um starts off uh amy is getting new equipment she's trying to get more stuff for cycling bit by bit so that she can look more like a legitimate cycler um she and the other three girls decide to take a more difficult route and they go up yabitsu pass which is Effectively just a, a very large hill nearby um, With the, uh, some historic landmarks um, So Amy gets halfway up the hill uh, And at, at this point Hinako and Yoyoi have already left them behind But uh, Amy gets a cramp halfway up the hill And she tries to stretch She tries to drink water uh, But she ends up getting a cramp in another, another leg And uh, they have to quit Um, She's really embarrassed. And then the other three girls spend a long time discussing back and forth how worried they are for Amy and uh, whether she'll take it too hard. But Amy doesn't take it too hard. She decides that she's going to train harder and uh, defeat the uh, Yabitsu pass. So later, Aoi and Amy are uh, going... Uh, on, like, a a training ride together, and they run into another cyclist uh, with long black hair who is very good at cycling up hills. Um, And then they get tackled by her dog, and her dog, uh, uh, this random cyclist dog, licks Amy in the face a lot. And then they talk with this random cycler again, and Amy learns for the first time uh, why road bikes are better than folding bikes at being bikes and (laughs) that's pretty much the end of the episode and so amy may or may not get a road bike soon and that's that's it and i have to admit i might have missed it but i don't think they ever so it's clear that this this girl they meet on the hill is going to be the fifth member of their right that doesn't exist yet uh I did not catch oh. her name. I'm not sure if they ever actually introduced the character. No, they never did. I
1: didn't catch a name yeah, either. Yeah, so
0: that's the same tactic they took with Hinako and Yoyoi, where they ran into these girls out on the trail, and then they separately ran into them again at college. So I assume at the beginning of next episode, they're going to run into this girl at the school and be like, Whoa, you go here too? <laughs> and then Hinako's going to Hinako right. say like, Hmm, now we have five. Maybe we should do a flesh together. Um... So, we'll see. Um, so, something I wanted to bring up is something... It, this is
1: not really that related to this episode in particular, but this was something I just noticed while watching this episode. Have you noticed that the group of girls in this are basically the exact same as the group of girls in Scorching Ping Pong Girls?
0: Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so, it's, it's not enough, But, like, some of them definitely, like... Yeah, you're you're totally right, cause Yayoi is Mune Mune. Uh, uh, Hinako is blatantly Tanka. Yeah, this um, this honestly, new girl, Aoi... this new girl is clearly Kirika. Like in terms right. of her design and her general attitude and the way she talks.
1: Honestly, Aoi is basically uh, Agari in the sense that she ha- she is she's a little bit more serious. She's she kind of serves as being the best friend to the main character, and she's got just... I just noticed it's just a slightly curvier uh, body type than the main character. She's the most
0: different, I'd say, because she's, like, a lot more naturally kind than Agari, I think.
1: Well, yeah, that's fair. I I will give you that. But they're both basically the cool girl. I'll I'll give you that That they're kind of the biggest stretch there, because Amy is basically uh, Koyori in the
0: fact... A hundred percent.
1: Yeah, basically uh, in the sense that they are... They're very much the every girl type character.
0: Yeah, um, um, and so yeah. Th- thankfully, there is no parallel for Hokuto, so nobody, right. nobody has to talk about panties. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, other than that, there was nothing happened. I guess
1: I kind of. A- yeah, nothing happens. Like, I I did kind of appreciate that there's a little bit more conflict in this one. Yeah. Like, I appreciate the fact that there's a little, uh, with Amy, with the fact that she's starting to get down on herself about the fact that she's unable to keep up with people. And, you know, it's not really meant to be a
0: competition. Right. I mean, so I like that on one level, but the execution was all contained within the episode. It was... Amy right. was disappointed that she got a cramp and was a little embarrassed, but then she decided, oh, I guess I'll train more. And that was the answer. It's like
1: cr- yeah. real
0: creative choice there. The other issue for <laughs> me is that these girls are such bad friends that they never told her that a folding bike is terrible at going up hills. <laughs> like, the the, the yeah. tires on Pontekun, Amy's bike, are half as big as the tires on the other people's bikes. And they're like, oh, man, why is she going so slow? It's like, because she has a child's bike, and you like... have a professional racer's bike. Like, what do you right. think? Um, and it, it's just it's just weird. I know they're trying to sort of reveal the details of how biking works bit by bit, but that right. just doesn't even... like All of these girls are good at cycling, and it just doesn't feel in touch with their characters as yeah. good cyclists to not even mention that
1: like i could like i could have almost
0: seen it if they had tried to explain
1: this to her yeah first. and she had just said like, like no i love
0: she... pontacoon too much or something and
1: then meeting this other girl would have led her to be like okay like maybe i do need to if i really want to keep this up maybe i do need to look into upgrading yeah, 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 or yeah. something like that but yeah you're right the fact
0: that these girls just don't even bring it up at all it's just, it's very weird. Yeah. It's, um, it's not a good, it's not, it was not a good episode. You can see why there's some issues with production, because the story doesn't make a ton of sense. And one other thing is the animation is all over the place in this episode. Okay,
1: good. I'm glad you brought that up. It so was I didn't have like, to.
0: I'm not the one who pay is like, I don't get hung up on differences in animation. Like people complain about, you know, where things slip in Yuri on Ice and where they cut corners on some of the figure skating. I don't really notice that because I can see what they're going for. This was just sloppy. Uh, the, <laughs> right. the character designs were all over the place, very inconsistent. Some places it looked really detailed. Some places it looked like, you know, somebody sketched it on the back of a napkin. It was bad.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I, I remember the the shot that... the. The, the shot about, like, the napkin sketches that really catches me, that really, like, caught my eye was when she's wrestling, when Amy is wrestling with the dog on the ground, and you see the new girl kind of walk in, and you kind of get, you kind of see them sort of a little bit from afar, but not from that far, and it's like, the two characters are, like, meshed together. Yeah. Like, and they have, like, two frames to, like, signify the fact that these two, like, that that Amy and this dog are wrestling.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it was bad. It was ugly. There was nothing interesting about the episode that you couldn't have done in about seven minutes. Um, so the fact that the production is clearly running into trouble is not a sign of good things to come. I think we'll probably be watching this show fall apart. Which, you know, is its own kind of fun. But um, I want to move on to a show that is surprisingly not falling apart. (laughs) Uh, Tiger Mask. All right. So uh, we're on Tiger Mask episode five. Um, So Naoto, uh, otherwise known as Tiger Mask, decides that he should join New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this is established. Immediately he says, oh, I guess I'll join New Japan Pro Wrestling so that I can get more experience. (laughs) And everyone says, okay. Cool. Cool. He goes to a match, and he sees this other competitor named Fukuwara Mask, who is basically a wrestling clown who tricks people into getting defeated by him. Um, And then uh, Naoto wins his first match by getting a suplex, just like always. There you Um, go. Separately, Takuma, otherwise known as Tiger of the Dark, is pissed off because Tiger Mask... Is getting all the notoriety and he, he's more likely to get yellow devil to fight yellow devil so obviously Takuma doesn't know that Naoto's tiger mask um, so Takuma starts fighting too hard and his companions take umbrage to this so the uh, global wrestling monopoly wrestlers arrange a battle royale where they're all gonna gang up on Takuma uh, separately Naoto gets included in a 10-man battle royale with the njpw wrestlers um so in the japanese uh, battle royale Fukuwara tricks a bunch of people into losing and tiger mask suplexes a bunch of people into losing and eventually they're the last <laughs> two standing standing so they're grappling and then tiger mask accidentally elbows Fukuwara mask in the face and breaks his nose and then Fukuwara shows his true power. Turns out he's actually a good wrestler, um, but it doesn't really matter because Naoto just suplexes him and wins. Right. Well, I mean, he's tight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he can't lose. And then separately, uh, so everyone in America is ganging up on Takuma in their their fight there, uh, but he beats them all by kicking them out of the ring, and uh, he ends up having to fight their boss, boss man that's his name that's the character's (laughs) name his name is boss man um and he does a bear hug on takuma but then takuma elbows him in the face and you guessed it suplexes him (laughs) that's the end of the episode basically it's it's showing these parallel battle royales where tiger mask and tiger the dark win so they both get more notoriety um the end Okay, so, I had a general question about this episode.
1: Were we supposed to know who Fukawara was at the end of the episode? I know, so it
0: showed, it, like, revealed him. I wasn't sure if that's supposed to be Takuma's dad, because it kind of looked like him.
1: Uh, Me? But he had a
0: beard in this, and, you know, he doesn't actually... It did very much look like we we're supposed to recognize this person, or maybe like
1: the only other thing I can think of is that they're setting mask. it up. Yeah, I was just thinking like maybe they're setting... The only other thing I can think of is like maybe they're setting this up for like this guy's gonna start being a major character from here on. Yeah, out. and he'll
0: appear separately, like not right. a Sukumar mask.
1: Right, but I don't know. That was one of the things I just did. I guess I just didn't. Get
0: that. Yeah, so I I'm not sure whether it's something we missed along the way or if it's a reference to the old show, cause like right you know that that's our, that crossed my mind like what if he's the original Tiger Mask, right. which would be hilarious okay yeah but I don't I don't actually think <laughs> that's the
1: case, right doubtful I'm guessing because I'm guessing they don't want to dishonor the memory of Tiger yeah. Mask by having a fighter who kind of fights dirty. Yeah.
0: Turn him into a clown. With, like... Yeah, for, for what yeah. purpose? Yeah. I don't know. Overall, um, what, what did you think?
1: Uh, it wasn't terrible. Like, I'm glad to see... I, I was really worried after last episode that the animation quality would start taking a dip again. It's generally fine, is what I'll say. I, it's definitely better than those first couple episodes that were real rough. But I feel like the suplexes are starting to get, keep their impact... Which was a problem I was really having with, like, again, those first two episodes.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know.
1: There was one... Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, there were definitely some moments where I was watching this, and I was thinking, okay, guys, come on. Uh, there, when, uh, when Tiger the Dark is being ganged up on, and they're holding him... And they're beating him up. There's like two frames of animation for that, and they keep cycling <laughs> yeah. them.
0: It's just them doing a super minimal karate chop against his chest, chest. Like, chop. and
1: they show this for like I think for like thirty seconds. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, that wasn't great. Um, going along with of the dark as well. This is another issue I'm having with this. What's his plan? Yeah.
0: To I don't I don't know. Uh,
1: like so I understand he's infiltrating this evil like uh wrestling Monopoly. Like, I get that. Um, have we ever actually seen him do anything to achieve his goal of actually bringing them down? Because it seems like all he really
0: wants to do is
1: fight Tiger Mask.
0: Well, he doesn't just want to fight Tiger Mask. He wants to gain notoriety so that he can meet Yellow Devil. I think that's what I'm getting is that, like, he's not so much interested in destroying the organization as he is in getting to meet Yellow Devil. And if he becomes an elite wrestler... He'll meet Yellow Devil and then he can exact his revenge or whatever. Okay, fair enough. But again, you're right. Um, it is not explicit and it's uh, and it's even not clear, I might be misinterpreting. Right. Okay, fair enough.
1: Um I kind of liked Fukawara. Yes,
0: Fukuwara mask was awesome. Um <laughs> I, I liked him as a character. It was very funny to see an a a wrestler who subverted the narrative subverted the norms of what it means to be a pro wrestler in this weird world uh i I thought i don't know i I thought it was fun overall the animation and the pressure and the hits took a significant cut from uh the fight against red death mask uh we're sort of right like there's no there's never going to be a comparison to the fight against red death mask like that will probably be the best fight we'll see in this show
1: um, I will argue they may go a little bit all they may go all out once yellow devil makes a reappearance. i hope yeah, i could see
0: that i hope so that episode I could see them doing it, for. but we're not gonna see it for a while um no so we are not. that definitely we got proof here that that episode was the um was not the rule was it the was the exception. exception not the rule thank you. Um okay so um
1: I hate to cut it off here because I'm assuming we don't really have much else to say about Tiger. Yeah, nothing Bass. You nothing want to constructive. Go on to another series that's constantly disappointing us.
0: I don't know. I I kind of actually like this one, but anyway, so all out episode 4. <laughs> um so this is basically the end of the match against Keijo where uh it begins by Oharano is able to predict the Keijo movements since he's such an elite player, he ends up dropping the ball and kicking and scoring the first three points. Um, and then he develops a, a rivalry against Miyuki. Uh, Ebu, Ebumi, uh, who is this sort of delinquent character um, on the kanagawa Jinku team, he wants to get in the game, but Sekizan won't let him because he never shows up to practice, and then he's embarrassed, and then we move on. Um, Keijo ends up figuring out Jinku's strategy and they're basically unstoppable because they have stronger players who are able to move along the wings without getting stopped. Eventually, uh, Sekizan realizes his team is demoralized and he pulls Gion into the game just to get him some experience. Um, everyone reacts by saying (gasps) their aura changed because Gion steps on the pitch. (laughs) Uh, Gion has a couple attempts where he tries to tackle people. He's not able to, but he is able to impress people with his attempt. Uh, they end up losing dramatically. Guillaume never gets a good tackle on anybody despite his attempts. Um, but they tell him that he made a good effort basically in the end. So what, what were your issues with this show? Um,
1: I guess I just had several questions. Like pretty much all my notes for this episodes are just questions. And some of these are pretty basic, like, who is number 10? Who was the guy who was introduced to us at the beginning of the episode? Who is the newcomer who knows about rugby? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and then I had some more general questions. So, they're making a really big deal about winning this game, or at least doing well in this game, right? right? And all I can think to myself are, is, what are the stakes to this?
0: Yeah, I think it's just pride stuff.
1: Right, and it's... You can do pride fine. But
0: explain it.
1: Right, like... Okay, so going back to Haikyuu here, in the very first game we see in the series beyond just uh, the introduction game between of Kageyama and Hinata, the first real game we see is Hinata and Kageyama are, trying, are essentially trying to win so that they can stay on the team because they don't get along. In, uh, let's see, another good example would be in Ice Shield 21, when Senna is playing against the Ojo Knights. He doesn't really want to be in the game, so that works fine, but towards the end of the game he realizes, I really want to try and win this one, because I'm actually able to compete with this very talented player. I just, in this game, though, I just, I don't really see any of that. I don't see anything that's really going to majorly affect the characters in the long run.
0: So so I and so
1: I just I don't see why to care. Yeah,
0: so I fifty percent agree with you. It it didn't execute itself in a way that made most of these characters very interesting, but there were a few things I liked and which I thought okay. made took it a little above the performance it had in previous weeks. One, I liked that Guillaume failed. Um they could have brought him okay. in to be like a rugby prodigy. Like that's one of the ways they could have done it. That's sort of a common trope. But he wasn't a rugby prodigy. Even though he had developed this secret technique, basically all it did was confuse uh, Tyra the, on the other team briefly, and then Tyra's momentum just, like, kicked him aside. So it's not like okay. tackling him by the ankle was just going to change the game. So I liked that, that he lost. He wasn't able to catch up to people, and he was really embarrassed at the end that he sucked at rugby. So it f- kind of forces him, this is a contrast to Days where they make Tsukamoto like a super success wonder boy from the beginning. In this one, Dion sucks. And he realized in his first try, oh my gosh, I didn't think I sucked, but I actually suck. (laughs) So hopefully... Like, who would have guessed that not playing rugby for all these years would actually mean
1: I would kind of suck at it. And I'm saying that sarcastically, but I do see where you're coming
0: from. Which, you know, they didn't have to go that way, but I like that they did. Because it's probably going to force them to be more humble and you get to see some interesting character growth. So for me, that was the big thing. I didn't see much from the other characters except for hopefully they'll flesh out Ibumi moving on of like he's a delinquent who's really good at rugby but he hates practicing but hopefully he got embarrassed by Sekizan too who refused to let him play because Sekizan said I don't care if you're the best you haven't earned the right to score a goal um, or to get a try when everyone else is working hard and you just get to get the glory Um, so hopefully that will be some interesting backstory and you get to see him earn his way onto the team even though he's already the best so i thought that was sort of a fun aspect it didn't dominate the episode but i liked where those two characters were and so that was enough for me because i haven't really liked where any of the characters were up till now
1: okay and i think that's fair because i was getting very caught up in the stakes i also get very caught up in the character designs which it's
0: not gonna get me in the
1: sense like (laughs) right Um, like I, I guess it's just really hard for me to take some of the more dramatic moments seriously because. So you have characters like Gion and Sekizan and Ibumi, who look. I mean, okay, so Sekizan has this kind of weird like silver like horn there, yeah. and that's a little weird. But beyond that, like you have some characters who look pretty <laughs> beautiful, and then you have a head. You have characters with like devil horn hair. And a guy who I can only describe as having a bean head? Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he had, um, like, <laughs> the shape of some of these guys' skulls is not human. I, I, I got it. Yeah,
1: and it's just, it, it, it's kind of distracting for yeah.
0: him. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, I think um, it took a step in the right direction, though. Like, it, it was right. so um, bottom of the barrel up till now. It was just so by the numbers and not even well executed by the numbers, that I was getting very bored. And this at least gave me a few things to latch on to. That's fair. And something I will defend the series for is that,
1: regardless of any of the complaints I have, the animation is still pretty decent. It's really fun to watch the characters collide with one another. There's a really nice moment where, I think when when Tyra's getting tackled, and at the moment of impact, we actually get a shot of... First, we get, like, a burst of cloud, and then it pans over to us watching Tyra get, like, knocked over. And I thought that was a nice way to, like, keep the energy moving during the game. Yeah. Um, and that was a kind of a creative way to, like, show the impact without just the straight-up, here's a shot of a guy getting tackled. Because mm-hmm. it lets us see, like, the power first, and then what actually
0: happened. Alright, so we're about to run and... out of time, so I need to jump to days, and we'll be very brief. Um... Okay. okay, so day's episode five. The first four minutes are recap because this is a crappy show. Uh, <laughs> rest it, it's basically the match between Seikon and Seiseki. It doesn't quite finish it yet, but um, at the beginning you get to see Tyra be awesome. Uh, Higuchi on uh, Seikon schools all of his opponents and then tells them that Tsukamoto is better at soccer just to put salt in the wound. Um, And then uh, Kazuma realizes that his long since separated mother is standing and watching him play and he hasn't seen her in eight years. So he ends up uh, playing the game of his life, but in the process someone steps on his foot and he breaks something in his uh, right ankle. Uh, He then gets a free kick, but kicks, kicks it in with his left foot and he tries to play injured. But Tsukamoto identifies the fact that Kazuma is injured because he knows him so well. And they take Kazuma out of the game and Kazuma says, I know you think you were doing the right thing, but I'll never forgive you for this. Uh, But Tsukamoto is determined to win anyway, and he puts on his determined face. So now we get to see Tsukamoto version 2 replacing Kazuma in the field. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a little cheap that they included this long-lost mother figure now after you know yeah. well over a dozen episodes that's never been brought up before and try to make her this important motivation for Cosma that he would never forget that... his best friend for
1: to be fair that fits with the entire that is pretty we say this with how the sh- oh, deals yeah with we cares. see
0: this every week yeah. oh my gosh where is this coming from you can't pretend like we're supposed to believe this now um yeah the animation was okay some of the goals were fun I thought the free kick was well executed Uh, Some of it actually showed some soccer strategy for once, which was interesting in the way the free kick was. done. The soccer was surprisingly fine. It looked like some people knew some rules, but the narrative just (laughs) wasn't there. And I didn't buy buy into the motivation for Kazuma. Um, And I also don't buy into Tsukamoto being totally unaffected by his best friend saying he hates (sighs) it.
1: I think, what they're, cause I think this is supposed to contrast with the whole thing with... So, when we saw Sukamoto cry, like, a couple other episodes ago, where he's realizing that he's, if he wants to be a part of the team, he's going to have to, like, make sure that somebody else stays off the team. It, you know, Jin's the one who confronts him about this. And it's like, you know, no matter what happens, we're friends, and so we're immediately uh, yeah, seeing yeah, yeah, how...
0: Yeah.
1: how like, It's like, okay, so Tsukamoto has to realize that he has to sacrifice Jin if he wants to keep playing on this yeah. team. Like... That's fine. I actually like that conflict, but yeah, just the whole fact that we're being thrown into this whole like melodrama about Jin's mother out of nowhere. Also, the fact that Jin apparently can play fine with a broken foot—that kind of got on my yeah, nerves. Yeah, he ran.
0: You physically can't run that fast when right. something snapped in your ankle uh he's not a superman the the show keeps doing this where if you just work hard enough you can be elite like no sometimes your body breaks um anyway so days continues to be disappointing in all the ways it's always been disappointing and i think that's about all the time we have for this week matt um thanks for joining me uh i I appreciate it as always i look forward to next week uh and in the meantime matt uh could you hit the credits for me our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow KoshienCast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.